Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Well, good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. We're back once again. This is Dana Oliva with Market Avenue LLC and your host for Charged Up Studio. Today, we have an exciting episode for you. We have Ms. Tina Greenbaum. She is the author of Mastery Under Pressure. And we're going to be talking about um, how to as leaders to manage to hold our tongue (laughs) when we're under a lot of pressure with our employees and everything. So Tina has been a seasoned executive coach for 37 years and knows that the ability to think clearly under pressure and manage in high pressure situations are what separates great leaders from everybody else. In Washington, D.C., New York City, and now San Francisco, Tina has been a trusted advisor to very successful business owners and executives. I know the challenges they struggle with, she says, both personally and professionally. She also knows how to reinforce their inner emotional strength. Today, we're going to talk more about what it means to be a leader and to be able to make decisions in tough situations. In her book, Mastery Under Pressure, Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Dana. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So let's just dive right in here, first of all, okay? What exactly would you define mastery under pressure about, and how can it help me? Great starting question. So mastery under pressure is a way to be able to increase one's tolerance for stress and at the same time, move towards peak performance. So I think of anxiety and stress at one level and being able to manage it all the way up to having an incredible peak performance. So I don't know anybody who is in business, certainly, or anybody who's an athlete or performer or even a parent (laughs) who couldn't benefit from being able to expand that emotional, we, we call it the window of tolerance. And so that's kind of what we do. We teach people how to do that. Okay. Well, I mean, if anybody is an entrepreneur, we know what it's like to be under a lot of pressure, especially early stage entrepreneurs when they're wearing so many hats. What inspired you to create this program? Two things. One is I am an entrepreneur. <laughs> and so you know firsthand. <laughs> I have been through many iterations. I, all those places that you said that I moved, oh, I, I, moved I, had to, I started over. And I started over and I started over. So um, starting a private practice um, was a challenge. So number one, 
I take my own personal experience and if I'm experiencing it, then somebody else is also. That's one reason. The second reason is uh, I am a psychotherapist by training. And many years ago, I worked with women with eating disorders. And they were smart, they were creative, they were actually quite brilliant, but they weren't changing. With my traditional uh, therapy training, it was like I was taught to go, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, and that just wasn't going to work. I'm really a teacher at heart. And these gals, they had no skill. They could tell me about their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, but they couldn't figure out how to have a difficult conversation or to be able to manage an interview or all the things that perform under pressure. And this is a lot of what um, a, a lot of the young kids are going through right now when we talk about being able to communicate, you know, for job interviews and, and they're just not prepared. And this kind of brings me back to um, just about two weeks ago, I was with my sisters and uh, actually it was just last Sunday. It was for my birthday dinner. Okay. And my daughter was there and, and my sister was there and both of them were smoking. And I said, I gave up on smoking to my daughter. And she says, mom, I want to give up so bad. I just can't. I can't. There's a craving there. And I, and I, Looked at her and I said, I can't understand this craving that you have, this addictive addiction that you have, because I've never had it. How would you explain something like that as a psychoanalyst? Again, um, there's two pieces to it. One is a physical addiction. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just as sugar, just as alcohol are physical addictions, and they work in the brain and they excite the brain. And then they calm it down. But for a short, short period of time, it's only temporary. And then kind of the cycle comes up, the craving comes back again. And so they, they have to feed the brain. with the, it, It's, it's at the opiate, actually, the opiate receptor in the brain is what gets excited. That's what all addictions, in terms of the physical sense, the emotional sense, all addictions in my experience are anxiety-based, and they're always about feelings that we don't want to feel. You could work on your addiction. You could work on the nicotine or the alcohol or the eating or, or the running or the work. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. But if the emotional triggers are still there. If you don't do the emotional work, you will be, as they call in alcoholism, they call it a dry drunk. You know, I'm wow. not drinking anymore, but I still have all that, those emotions that I don't know how to manage. Yeah, yeah. I've been going through a lot of emotional um, healing uh, for the last probably eight years, but it really came to a head about maybe five, six years ago. So I understand when you talk about managing that emotional, you can't get through the hurdles unless you understand what lies beneath it. What is that trigger that throws you, yeah, what throws you into turmoil? With me, you know, I don't get angry very easily at all. I'm, I'm usually fairly, but the one thing that will trigger anger in me is lack of respect. If I feel as though I'm not respected for my intelligence, for what I have to say or something, that's the first thing that will trigger me getting angry. So I can, I can understand when you, when you talk about that. So I've read a lot of self-help books in the past. But I still have trouble, like I said, losing it. 
when I feel as though I am offended or I feel as though I'm not being listened to. I remember not necessarily me, but my son went through a period where we were taught when he was very young, he was in uh, kindergarten and four-year-old preschool kindergarten. And um, he would get highly upset and then, then screaming and things like that. And they thought, um, they thought he was having uh, seizures. And um, after taking him in and having him checked, you know, and things like that, it turned out it wasn't seizures. He was getting frustrated because he felt as though the teachers weren't listening to him. Nobody was listening to him and he was trying to explain it to him. And that's, that made me think when I get frustrated, when I feel as though I'm being disrespected, I immediately go into that, that frustration mode. And that's when the anger comes out. You are um, not alone <laughs> by any means. And the way that we deal with that, honestly, Dana, is what I love about my, my profession, profession, to go like, let's look at the origin of that. Because we have underneath, we grow up with belief systems from our families, from our culture, from our teachers, from our peers. And we end up with, again, these are where the biases come in, mostly unconscious. And so as an adult, it's my opinion, again, we have our responsibility to ourselves. And again, we're talking to, uh, to entrepreneurs, to the, your team, to the people that you're working with, to your family, to your children, to be able to learn how to manage these emotions that came initially from our childhood as self-protection. When somebody yeah. is, disrespects us, okay, the most natural thing in the world is to get angry. Yeah. Because the most basic thing as human beings, there's two things. One is we want to love and be loved or be heard. We want to be yes, heard. exactly. And, and I know that with my son, that's what his, he didn't feel he was heard. Okay. So now that we end up as adults, I feel like I'm not being heard. Right. This is where all the skill comes in and the training comes in. Number one, we have to become aware which you're describing, you're aware, I'm aware that this is a trigger right? and I can't yet control it because the body gets triggered before the mind gets triggered. So if we try to think our way through it, well, you know, that's ridiculous. And well, they don't know who they're, you know, and whoever they are and they don't know. And well, that's all kind of logical. We try to make logical sense out of it, but it doesn't touch the emotional part of us. It doesn't touch the heart. And it doesn't touch where memory is stored. And people used to ask me all the time, Tina, what do you do? I teach people how to get below the neck because all the information is here. So in Mastery Under Pressure, in a very um, non-confrontive, sort of an educational psychology way, I teach people how to access their unconscious because the unconscious is where everything goes on. And, and if we can't access it and we don't understand it and we don't know why it's, it's doing this to us, just like your daughter's talking about, I can't stop the craving. It's, it's not a one shot, you know, it's not a one stop deal. So we have techniques and, and, and ways to teach people how to become your own investigator, how to become curious about your own emotional baggage, really. 
so that you can be in charge even if somebody disrespects you because we can't control other people no we can't and and that's that's hard to that's that's hard to manage when you're face to face with somebody that's exactly you know? right and so the operative question that i always people ask me all the you know I'm, do a podcast or do a talk or somebody says, Tina, what's the th one thing that you can leave us with? And I'll give you a preview of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's always about what's in my control, what's out of my control. Because stress, in the definition that I use, is the perceived amount of control that you think you have or you don't have. The operative word is perceived. Control that person that's disrespected me but I can control my response to it. My husband's always telling me that. Always telling me that. But again, Dana, it may be logical. We yes. may have to go in there and sort of find the memory gets laid down, you know, in the brain, mm -hmm. in the reptilian part of the brain, where it doesn't know anything about logic. It's the part of the brain that's always on alert, always ready for danger, always looking. We have to train it. And if you don't know how to train it, as most people don't, well, why would you? Right. You've studied right. in school. You know, all our, our startups and entrepreneurs are phenomenal about what they do. They haven't trained like an Olympic level athlete. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I, um, you know, a, a, a personal story is um, I had, uh, my childhood was very, um, how can I say, <laughs> not good. Okay. And that was not good. Um, and I had a, a very serious accident back in uh, 2013 that ultimately led to PTSD. And so ended up starting to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist, you know, and things like that. And they kept wanting me to go back to my childhood to kind of get me through this. And, and, you know, I just, I could not understand it because of the fact that as far as I was concerned, I let my childhood go. You know, I was fine before the accident. Why am I not fine now? And it took quite a while and quite a, a bit of exploration to realize that the underlying issue was twofold. First, control, like you said. I've always been able to manage control. I thought I had perceived. I thought I always had control over my life and, you know, the, the things that happened. And when this accident happened, all control was gone to the point where I couldn't even go to the bathroom by myself because I was so messed up on crutches and, you know, everything. And so I had to rely on others to help me. And that just went right against all that control. Okay. The other thing that had happened was I realized also I knew physically I could get through everything. I, I, I was a strong person. I knew I could work. But when the PTSD happened and was diagnosed, the mental side, I could not. I could not control that mental. And so then let me just kind of add something in there again. Yeah to explain for people what happened to you okay so again if we go back to that window of tolerance that all those years that you were able to really function at a high level was right. in your coping mechanism 
Your right. nervous system couldn't tolerate that level of stress or pressure. Right. And right. The accident did is it put you in a zone that was beyond your nervous system's tolerance for what had happened to you. And so when that happens, the mind goes off line. Yeah. Yeah. And so really smart people don't feel so smart because their brains are not working at the level that they right. had before. And so again, so over the years in, in learning about the neuroscience and, and so many of the things that, that make us who we are and that trigger us and how to access it, it's complicated. We're complicated mm -hmm. beings. And when people kind of push this off that, well, that's not me or I'm fine or, you know, I've been, you know, top of my class and all that, all that stuff is great, yeah. but it doesn't speak to these issues that in life. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, we have to cope. Yeah. No. Until, yeah, and, and you're right. Until I was able to get down and understand where the issues were coming you know, the PTSD was not necessarily because of the control. It was because I feared, because I didn't remember anything from the accident. I feared by recalling the accident, the pain would come out somehow. And the other piece to that is now we have techniques. Yeah. We don't have to go back into all that pain. We only need wow. to touch yeah. the sensation of the pain. And then one memory triggers another that triggers another that triggers wow. another. And, um, you know, in, a, in the hands of a skillful person. Um, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Now, I, luckily, I had a very good um, uh, lady that did help me. Unfortunately, she just passed away last Friday. You know, um, but she was she was excellent with helping me through the PTSD and helping me understand. But when you talk about learning how to watch for signs, you know, and things like that, one of the things that she taught me is every morning when I wake up, examine what my mood is that day. Examine my mood. Am I happy? Am I sad? Am I anxious? And then try and uh equate that to what's getting ready to happen that day. Okay. And so if I had a presentation to make or something like that, and I was anxious, I knew where it was coming from. Yes. And so I could manage my emotions by doing that. Yes. So I think that's what you were talking about when you that's, talked about. That's why I love this work. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing it again for now 38 years. And that's I still great. Love it. There's only so many themes in the human condition. Uh-huh. But there's an infinite variation of them. Right. You get to know you. What could be more interesting than you? Exactly. You kind of run away from stuff because they're scared. And they're scared that they're going to bring up memories or that they're not. Many, many, many different reasons. But the truth is when you start to do this work, it's like, well, I remember that or I know that. No. or yeah, no. I, you know. And so we don't teach you anything new. No, and the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast, part of the reason is when you're dealing like I am, you know, when you are a small solo or micro business owner, okay, and you've got so much stress, and then there's such a high rate of failure, 
and micro small business owners, okay? The psyche of those entrepreneurs, when they fail, it has a widespread effect on the family, on everything, their psyche, their family life, their, their marriages. And so that is why I'm so adamant about let's change this. Let's so, give them the resources and the tools. Right. So, so one of the problems with people who, businesses that fail, is many times the expectations are unrealistic. You know, we're all given the same 24 hours. I'm so sorry to tell everybody. You know, there's no, you are not special in that way. So we have to learn how to manage it. Right. We have to learn how to keep our expectations realistic. Right. And again, I've been a small business owner. Um, now my business is expanding in a, in a different way. And when I look back, I say to myself, if you actually thought that you could do this by yourself, you were crazy. <laughs> because you really can't. You can't. You can't do it in a vacuum. Cannot. So I have a wonderful friend who says, if it's not your genius, it's not your job. And it's not your genius. So I would sit and I'd be working. I love it. I didn't I make it. it. But it has taken me. So I sit and sometimes if, if I'm kind of delving into something for about 15, 20 minutes, and I already see, all right, this is going an hour, two hours, and I'm not going to be anywhere because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Who can I ask for help? And again, a lot of people say as early business owners, I don't have the money. I don't have the money, I don't have the time. Those are the two issues. And this is where your creativity honestly needs to come in. What do you have that somebody else wants if you want their services too? Mm -hmm. And people Mm -hmm. who trading business and um, I have found it to be extremely valuable. Right. Because I value what I do and I value what they do. Right. So some of my early marketing things, you know, Tina, can you help me? You know, I'm having issues with whatever. Yeah. And I'm happy to help you. Let's let's trade. And we would do hour for hour or price for price. That's how I got my um, speaker yep. done. That's how I got my quiz done. That's how I got. Yep. So and exactly. And that's exactly it. You know, um, you know, when it comes to small micro businesses, you know, and they're trying to wear all these hats, it's, it's very easy to get lost, you know, in what I call OPA. And OPA is you get so overwhelmed with what needs to be done that you become paralyzed. That's right. That's and exactly. then you just avoid it, hoping it'll take care of itself. That's right. And that's back to this, this training for peak performance. Right, right. As within the training for peak performance are times where we have to let go. We, yeah. Again, if we come back to the brain. Yeah. And when, we, when we're at our best and we're concentrating our best, it comes from deep focus. And deep focus takes energy. Yes. And if we are running on empty, yeah. we're back now into expecting things from ourselves. Yeah that are not possible. And, and, this, and this is where I think COVID has helped in a way because what it's done is it's forced us to take a step back That's and right. slow down and reevaluate where we're going mm-hmm. and what do we need to do. And a lot of my clients, what's happened is they've reevaluated and they've pivoted a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it, and it does help. So 
in, in your book, you talk about flow performance. What is flow performance? So flow performance is that peak performance experience where you are completely in the zone. Another way of saying it is in the zone. And people have, mm-hmm. you know, hear about this. Sometimes they've had that experience. And oh, you know, how do I, how do I get back there? Right. And so, so the time, you know, we, we lose all sense of time. Uh, the, I always call it the bigger brain is making yeah. decisions for us. We see things that the vision is expanded. If you're, again, if you're an athlete and you see things or, um, idea you know the ideas come and we're just at our peak peak our peak now the truth is peak performance only lasts maybe 90 minutes to 120 minutes really at one time it would explain why i have so many damned ideas <laughs> at any so, one time yeah that's right so that that level so we have to once we understand that we have to prepare ourselves to have that time and that focus and that deep focus so that the brain can do what it does. So when we're in, um, when we're working hard and we're focusing this, the, the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the part that's um, the mental side, we're thinking, we're thinking, we're thinking, that needs a break. Yeah. And so that's when we say, go take, you know, go take a walk or go garden or um, get on your bike or, yeah. um, listen to music because then this part of the brain quiets down mm-hmm. and the part of the brain that it's called pattern recognition. It, it recognizes, yes, I can do this. And then I could do that. And then I could do this. Right. Right. Then we come back to work and we've got a friend because that, that part of our brain has been working for us. Right. And we work again. And so it's, it's a flow. You get into a state of flow, but you, the level that you want of that focus, you also have to do that level of relaxation. Yes, yes. So when you talk about getting in the zone, you're talking about when we go out for our walk or when we... When no, actually, it's, the op- it's, it's, it's when we get in the zone, we're doing our thing. We are working at our top, top, top level. Okay, actually working though, not necessarily... Um, uh, the peak performance is it or is it it is a peak performance so let's imagine okay um i'm not that great of a tennis player but i could still get into that zone okay okay so i'm playing and there's parts of me that are doing the work for me that has come from deep practice okay yeah and and the deep mental side Right. right practice and this and that and then everything kind of comes together Mm -hmm. and that takes energy that takes it's it it doesn't feel like work but it actually is right right Uh yeah you know again if i'm you know if i'm hiking or i'm climbing and i'm well everything's working on all cylinders it requires a lot of energy and then i relax Okay, and then I come back and I work some more. Uh-huh. And I come back, and then when I come back the, the next time, I can get into that flow state more easily. So it's, it, it's like I work, I relax, I work, I, I go into a flow state, I relax. Well, they call it relax or release or... Um, yeah. But it's a cycle. 
And it also means that you know exactly when your peak time is to actually even have the possibility of getting into that experience. So that. Right, right. When, when we talk about the relaxed time, then when we're talking about like, you know, getting up, going for a walk, doing, you know, doing something. Okay. Those are the periods when if I'm, if I'm trying to solve a problem, the answers will come. That's right. That's exactly okay. right. That's that pattern recognition time where the brain is just this part quiets down, the prefrontal quiets down. Okay. And that the bigger brain starts to make the connections. Okay. okay. Work, then I come back to work and my brain has connected the dots for me. Exactly. Exactly. And so you're more productive as far as that. Yeah. So as a small business owner, wearing the many hats that we, we, we generally do, you know, how can your program help me find more hours in the day? It's more about finding more energy. So okay. we talk about managing, it's not about managing time so much, it's managing energy. So I know, again, for me, typically my day starts, I get up at six. I just had hip surgery, but I always stretch, do some kind of exercises. Mm -hmm. 15, I'm in a meditation group till eight o'clock. From mm -hmm. eight to 8.30, whatever, I have my breakfast. Nine o'clock, boom, I'm ready to work. And I can work really well until 11.30 noon at the latest. At the okay. latest. Stop for lunch. I actually take a nap. And then I go back to work. Well, you need to take a nap? I do. <laughs> I'm a quick napper. And I, I, I'm one of those, it's a power nap. You know, My I can get in it. I can't do that. I wake up groggy. <laughs> Many people do. So yeah. again, your clock would be different. Your genetics are different. Yeah. You would have to figure your day out. Yeah. So by five o'clock, I'm ready. Now I got to go out for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm realistic about what I can manage in a day. Right. Um, never worked at night. As a yeah. psychotherapist, and people would say to me all the time, well, how could you do this? And, you know, people can only see you at night. I'm really good in the morning. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my most productive time is in mornings. I will use, you know, my creative side of my brain or whatever in the mornings by, you know, by 10 o'clock. I'm up at 435 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So um, my creative side kicks in there. And so my blogging and everything else takes place during those hours exactly right. and right. so anytime after that then i get into the tactical mode these are the things that i do like you said you're you you've done over and over and over and over again that is just habit you exactly. know and so i get into those kind of things but yes um you know what you said yeah you've got those you've got those periods that you're more productive more creative not necessarily more productive, just more creative. That's right. You know, and I then remember, I did an exercise class once and it was like a dance movement class. And I'd walk in there with a problem and I'd mm -hmm. walk out, it's called Nia. And I'd walk out and it said, there's something to this because the problem would be solved. 
as I'm dancing, I could do this and then I could do that. And then I could do, and there was a lot of cross body movement. Again, mm-hmm. with the brain and how the brain processes information. And, um, and so I said, there's something really significant to this thing. And it was a combination of yoga and Tai Chi. And for those people who are thinking, this is ridiculous, I can't do this. Um, I, I, I can't even get five minutes. There's a price to pay. Yeah, yeah. There's a price to pay. It's a matter of choice. I, I'm doing a group now where um, this first meeting, the guy said, he says, I, ne- I don't even stop for lunch. You know, I'm just going all day, all day. And then I've got kids and my family. And I said, well, could you start with five minutes? So the first week, no. The second week, well, I got the five minutes in, but now I'm really mad at myself that I'm not doing something else. Right, right. And- and then we talked about, well, this is a choice. If you, if you find this valuable, you'll find the five minutes. If not, you won't. Right, right. Well, I'll find myself during the day, I'll, I'll make a point. Even when you're wake, working from home, I'll make a point of taking an hour for lunch and not worrying about it. Or I'll take 15 minutes for a coffee break or, you know, 30 minutes for a coffee break, you know, or something like that. So yeah, I do take those breaks during the day. But Mm -hmm. one of the things I do do also is I'll sit in front of the computer for three hours, four hours. So I have to, what I do is I set my alarm. Okay, four times a day to remind me to get up and walk or do something, get up and do something to get me out and because when I get involved in my production and, you know, and things like that, I'll work th- straight through the entire day. I know that's the way I am. I get so engrossed in what I'm doing. So, um, so what are some of the specific skills that one can learn to be able to manage the emotional roller coaster as a leader when you're dealing with a team member or a team First thing that you have to do is you have to learn how to train your body to quiet down so that your mind will be clear when the shit hits the fan, basically. That's exactly it. (laughs) Um, Because we want to be able to think clearly. Yeah. And the only way that we can honestly do that is that we have, and you have to train the body. You have to create neural pathways you have to do it over and over and over and over and over again so that and and going back to your example um when you get triggered by somebody who doesn't respect you if you are quiet inside what that does donna is it gives us space you know i I was listening the other night in my group and people were talking about their experience of the breathing that i teach and the the meditation It's like, I notice I feel more expanded. I feel, feel more expansive. Um, uh, I'm, uh, things don't move so fast. So the way that we operate in our Western culture, pretty much, is honestly, well, most of us are in a chronic state of stress. And it's like a movie that just keeps going and going and going. And that's and what makes us sick, too. That's what makes us sick. You're exactly right. And so what we do is we learn how to quiet down that nervous system. And particularly in the beginning of the training, it's like we begin to look at frame by frame. Oh, that's where that's happening. Or that's where that's from. Or, you know, again, I was playing tennis this morning and I was in a really good mood. 
but I, one of my partners, the play, you know, she can be very gruff. Yeah, gruff and, and gruff. Yeah, you know, and so I don't have to go into the whole story, but she said something because I wanted, I, I knew that I had to come and do this, and I wanted to make sure that I ended on time. And right, she right. Gets fussy and then she says well you know there's other people that really want to play on Fridays and um, it was just a little underhanded comment so I registered it okay? uh-huh. it bothered me yeah but I have a choice what do I want to do with that comment I already know her she's really a good person you know that's her but there are other times where she has done things where it left me feeling really uncomfortable and I said to myself, um, I have to address it. Yeah. It's too, imp- I have to address it. So it's one of those difficult conversations where yeah. I picked up the phone and said, this is what's going on for me. And when you do this, and if this doesn't change, I don't think I be, could be part of the game. I, I knew her well enough to know she's, oh, I apologize. And I wasn't really aware. Yeah, I've, got a, I've got a sister that's like that. And it's but the I mean, same way, you know. But uh, because I, I can register it so quickly and I know mm-hmm. what it is, it's because of my training, because I've trained myself. It's not my training. It's I've trained myself mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over again so that I can hear things pretty quickly and they and my intuition is very sharp. And so that gives yeah. me the space. I'm being disrespected. Okay. What do I want to do about that? And then I can look inside if it's worth the conversation. Um, yeah. And then... Again, because if you know the history of it, you can also say to yourself, this is my history. Right. I am pasting my history. Right. Onto this present experience. That person is not my parent. Well, eventually she'll learn that you're not going to put up with it, too. That's yep. right. Yeah. Right? So, so we have lots of options when we. Yeah, no, there is. Home. There is. And, and with that being said, okay, let's say I'm in a position where my company is, is growing rapidly, okay? And I've got a team of employees, and I've got a couple of them that have been here since I started, but now I'm on a trajectory that I need to put people in the right seats, and these aren't the right people. How do I handle the situation, either firing them or repositioning them? What's, what would be your recommendation? Well, I think it's a combination of both, and I don't think there's one right answer right. for every single person because I think every person is an individual. Right. Um, obviously, the first thing that I would do, number one, is recognize that something needs to change, and I'm the one that's in charge, so I have to change it. Right. And number two, can I help this person find other skills and, and aptitudes that they have that we can utilize in this company? Right. And if not, um, what's the best way that I can leave this person with the best referral, with the best knowledge that maybe it is time for them to move on and I'm going to do my best to give them a great recommendation or what, whatever it is that you, you do things with grace. Can, um, but if you can't shift and change as that leader, um, you'll, you won't survive. Well, you, you have to remember that you are the one that – Uh, is in charge when it comes to your business. And if they're not willing to work with you, then that just, that just further emphasizes, okay, maybe it's time to let go. But if they're willing to work with you and say, what can I do? You know, what's, you know, what do I need to do in order to continue 
you know. And what about some of these? What about some of these? Um, these uh, strength tests, these these personality tests, and things like that. That should also help, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They're extremely valuable. Yeah. I have a girlfriend that was in a uh, working for a company for many, many, many years, and she was always unhappy. But she had been an actor, and she had lived the life of that starving actor and she didn't ever want to go back to that. So she was holding on to her job yeah. and finally went to uh, somebody who helped her with the strengths finders. Mm-hmm. And when they kind of looked at her strengths and she could see, and the woman said to her, she says, well, no wonder you're so tired. You're not doing anything. Yeah. To your passions and your aptitude. And she would take that information back to her boss and say, wow. there's another way that I could, be here play and, on the strengths and yeah yeah and 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 now she's she's happy wow wow very happy no that's great you know it's important that's why i like what i do so much because i see the difference i make in a lot of the companies that i work with you know and things like that they're they're struggling you know they're struggling because they believe in what they do they believe in their product or service offering but they don't know how to build a business around that product or service offering. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing that resource to them so they can get that knowledge base so they can make intelligent decisions. That's right. And yeah. look, how much, and you know, again, this is my field is the people part, but look how much the people side is so critically important exactly. to understand exactly. to run a really good, healthy business. Yes. No, definitely. Definitely. Well, Tina, I'm really glad that you were able to join us today. Um, the end of our program is upon us once again. Um, before we go, tell our listeners, first of all, how they can get a hold of you or and how they can get a hold of your book. The book you can get a hold of at my website, which is masteryunderpressure.com. And or Amazon, but you can definitely get it on my website. And you can reach me at Tina at masteryunderpressure.com. And if you really want to see where you are on the scale of peak performance and the skills that go involved that are involved, you can take my quiz, which is masteryunderpressure.net. Very good. I think I might even go in and do that periodically. There you go. And periodically is great because then you can see your you progress. You can see how you improve. Exactly. Exactly. That's what an assessment is all about, you know, as far as that's concerned. That's right. and, and if you want to know more about my Master Under Pressure course, um, again, just get in touch with me. That would be wonderful. Well, I really appreciate it, Tina. That is the end of our program this week. Uh, we've got another exciting one coming next week. This is Dana Olivo with Market Academy LLC and Charged Up Studio. Uh, We really appreciate Tina being here, and I look forward to talking more with you guys next week. Talk to you later. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.